chapter six part one of struggles and triumphs or forty years recollections of p t barnum written by himself this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. struggles and triumphs of p t barnum chapter six my first travelling company part one an amusing incident occurred when we were at hanover courthouse in virginia it rained so heavily that we could not perform there and turner decided to start for richmond immediately after dinner when he was informed by the landlord that as our agent had engaged three meals and lodging for the whole company the entire bill must be paid whether we went then or next morning no compromise could be effected with the stubborn landlord and so turner proceeded to get the worth of his money as follows he ordered dinner at twelve o'clock which was duly prepared and eaten the table was cleared and reset for supper at half-past twelve at one o'clock we all went to bed every man carrying a lighted candle to his room there were thirty-six of us and we all undressed and tumbled into bed as if we were going to stay all night in half an hour we rose and went down to the hot breakfast which turner had demanded and which we found smoking on the table turner was very grave the landlord was exceedingly angry and the rest of us were convulsed with laughter at the absurdity of the whole proceeding we disposed of our breakfast as if we had eaten nothing for ten hours and then started for richmond with the satisfaction that we fairly settled with our unreasonable landlord at richmond after performances were over one night i managed to partially pay turner back for his avery trick a dozen or more of us were enjoying ourselves in the sitting-room of the hotel telling stories and singing songs when some of the company proposed sundry amusing arithmetical questions followed by one from turner which was readily solved hoping to catch turner i then proposed the following problem suppose a man is thirty years of age and he has a child one year of age he is thirty times older than his child when the child is thirty years old the father being sixty is only twice as old as his child when the child is sixty the father is ninety and therefore only one-third older than the child when the child is ninety the father is one hundred and twenty and therefore only one-fourth older than the child thus you see the child is gradually but surely gaining on the parent and as he certainly continues to come nearer and nearer in time he must overtake him the question therefore is suppose it was possible for them to live long enough how old would the father be when the child overtook him and became of the same age the company generally saw the catch but turner was very much interested in the problem and although he admitted he knew nothing about arithmetic he was convinced that as the son was gradually gaining on the father he must reach them if there was time enough say a thousand years or so for the race but an old gentleman gravely remarked that the idea of a son becoming as old as his father while both were living was simply nonsense and he offered to bet a dozen of champagne that the thing was impossible even in figures turner who was a betting man and who thought the problem might be proved accepted the wager but he was soon convinced that however much the boy might relatively gain upon his father there would always be thirty years difference in their ages the champagne cost him twenty-five dollars and he failed to see the fun of my arithmetic though at last he acknowledged that it was a fair offset to the avery trick we went from richmond to petersburg and from that place to warrenton north carolina where october thirtieth my engagement expired with a profit to myself of twelve hundred dollars 
i now separated from the circus company taking vivala james sanford a negro singer and dancer several musicians horses wagons and a small canvas tent with which i intended to begin a travelling exhibition of my own my company started and turner took me on the way in his own carriage some twenty miles we parted reluctantly and my friend wished me every success in my new venture on saturday november twelfth eighteen thirty six we halted at rocky mount falls north carolina and on my way to the baptist church sunday morning i noticed a stand and benches in a grove nearby and determined to speak to the people if i was permitted the landlord who was with me said that the congregation coming from a distance to attend a single service would be very glad to hear a stranger and i accordingly asked the venerable clergyman to announce that after the service i would speak for half an hour in the grove learning that i was not a clergyman he declined to give the notice but said that he had no objection to my making the announcement which i did and the congregation numbering about three hundred promptly came to hear me i told them i was not a preacher and had very little experience in public speaking but i felt a deep interest in matters of morality and religion and would attempt in a plain way to set before them the duties and privileges of man i appealed to every man's experience observation and reason to confirm the bible doctrine of wretchedness in vice and happiness in virtue we cannot violate the laws of god with impunity and he will not keep back the wages of well-doing the outside show of things is of very small account we must look to realities and not to appearances diamonds may glitter on a vicious breast but the soul's calm sunshine and the heartfelt joy is virtue's prize the rogue the passionate man the drunkard are not to be envied even at the best and a conscience hardened by sin is the most sorrowful possession we can think of i went on in this way with some scriptural quotations and familiar illustrations for three-quarters of an hour at the close of my address several persons took me by the hand expressing themselves as greatly pleased and desiring to know my name and i went away with the feeling that possibly i might have done some good in the beautiful grove on that charming sunday morning when we were at camden south carolina sanford suddenly left me and as i had advertised negro songs and none of my company was competent to fill sanford's place not to disappoint my audience i blacked myself and sung the advertised songs zip coon etc and to my surprise was much applauded while two of the songs were encored one evening after singing my songs i heard a disturbance outside the tent and going to the spot found a person disputing with my men i took part on the side of the men when the person who was quarrelling with them drew a pistol and exclaiming you black scoundrel how dare you use such language to a white man he proceeded to cock it i saw that he thought i was a negro and meant to blow my brains out quick as thought i rolled my sleeve up showed him my skin and said i am as white as you are sir he dropped his pistol in positive fright and begged my pardon my presence of mind saved me on four different occasions in my life i have had a loaded pistol pointed at my head and each time i have escaped death by what seemed a miracle i have also often been in deadly peril by accidents and when i think of these things i realize my indebtedness to an all-protecting providence reviewing my career too and considering the kind of company i kept for years and the associations with which i was surrounded and connected i am surprised as well as grateful that i was not ruined 
i honestly believe that i owe my preservation from the degradation of living and dying a loafer and a vagabond to the single fact that i was never addicted to strong drink to be sure i have in past times drank liquor but i have generally wholly abstained from intoxicating beverages and for more than twenty years past i am glad to say i have been a strict teetotaler at camden i lost one of my musicians a scotchman named cochrane who was arrested for advising the negro barber who was shaving him to run away to the free states or to canada i made every effort to effect cochrane's release but he was in prison more than six months while i was away from home i generally wrote twice a week to my family and received letters nearly as often from my wife one of her letters which i received in columbia south carolina informed me it was currently reported in connecticut that i was under sentence of death in canada for murder the story grew out of a rumor about a difficulty in canada between some rowdies and a circus company not turner's for we met his troop at columbia december fifth eighteen thirty six that company was then to be disbanded and i bought four horses and two wagons and hired joe pentland and robert white to join my company white as a negro singer would relieve me from that role and pentland besides being a capital clown was celebrated as a ventriloquist comic singer balancer and legerdemain performer my reinforced exhibition was called barnum's grand scientific and musical theatre some time previously in raleigh north carolina i had sold one half of my establishment to a man whom i will call henry who now acted as treasurer and ticket-taker at augusta georgia the sheriff served a writ upon this henry for a debt of five hundred dollars as henry had six hundred dollars of the company's money in his possession i immediately procured a bill of sale of all his property in the exhibition and returned to the theatre where henry's creditor and the creditor's lawyer were waiting for me they demanded the keys of the stable so as to levy on the horses and wagons i begged delay till i could see henry and they consented henry was anxious to cheat his creditor and he at once signed the bill of sale i returned and informed the creditor that henry refused to pay or compromise the claim the sheriff then demanded the keys of the stable door to attach henry's interest in the property not yet said i showing a bill of sale you see i am in full possession of the property as entire owner you confess that you have not yet levied on it and if you touch my property you do it at your peril they were very much taken aback and the sheriff immediately conveyed henry to prison the next day i learned that henry owed his creditors thirteen hundred dollars and that he had agreed when the saturday evening performance was ended to hand over five hundred dollars company money and a bill of sale of his interest in consideration of which one of the horses was to be ready for him to run away with leaving me in the lurch learning this i had very little sympathy for henry and my next step was to secure the five hundred dollars he had secreted vivalla had obtained it from him to keep it from the sheriff i received it from vivalla on henry's order as a supposed means of procuring bail for him on monday morning i then paid the creditor the full amount obtained from henry as the price of his half interest in the exhibition and received in return an assignment of five hundred dollars of the creditor's claims and a guarantee that i should not be troubled by my late partner on that score thus promptness of action and good luck relieved me from one of the most unpleasant positions in which i had ever been placed while travelling with our teams and show through a desolate part of georgia 
our advertiser who was in advance of the party finding the route on one occasion too long for us to reach a town at night arranged with a poor widow woman named hayes to furnish us with meals and let us lodge in her hut and outhouses it was a beggarly place belonging to one of the poorest of poor whites our horses were to stand out all night and a farmer six miles distant was to bring a load of provender on the day of our arrival bills were then posted announcing a performance under a canvas tent near widow hayes for as the show was a rarity in that region it was conjectured that a hundred or more small farmers and poor whites might be assembled and that the receipts would cover the expenses meanwhile our advertiser who was quite a wag wrote back informing us of the difficulties of reaching a town on that part of our route and stating that he had made arrangements for us to stay overnight on the plantation of lady hayes and that although the country was sparsely settled we could doubtless give a profitable performance to a fair audience anticipating a fine time on this noble plantation we started at four o'clock in the morning so as to arrive at one o'clock thus avoiding the heat of the afternoon towards noon we came to a small river where some men whom we afterwards discovered to be down east yankees from maine were repairing a bridge every flooring plank had been taken up and it was impossible for our teams to cross could the bridge be fixed so that we could go over i inquired no it would take half a day and meantime if we must cross there was a place about sixteen miles down the river where we could get over but we can't go so far as that we are under engagement to perform on lady hayes place to-night and we must cross here fix the bridge and we will pay you handsomely they wanted no money but if we would give them some tickets to our show they thought they might do something for us i gladly consented and in fifteen minutes we crossed that bridge the cunning rascals had seen our posters and knew we were coming so they had taken up the planks of the bridge and had hidden them till they had levied upon us for tickets when the floor was relayed in a quarter of an hour we laughed heartily at the trick and were very glad to cross so cheaply end of chapter six part one